Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages and inspires you to follow Jesus a little more closely in the week ahead than in the one just passed. And if it does, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. First, smash that share button. Send it to whoever you think might be blessed by it. And then two, I wanna invite you guys to give to supporting this ministry. We exist because of the generous support of people just like you who have moved from just consuming from the kingdom into contributing to its advancement. If you want to do that, head over to cfmiami.org slash give and follow the instructions right there on the screen. Enjoy this teaching. Hey, you know, as the children of God, listen, it blesses our hearts when we're able to sing of the goodness of our great God. Can we praise Him today, this morning? Amen. Hey, well, welcome everyone. Welcome to Christ Fellowship. My name is Zomar. And I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to welcome, thank you so much. And I want to welcome all those campuses right now watching us live all throughout Miami from Doral to Coral Gables, West Kendall, the Redland Homestead Campus, and even here at Palmetto Bay. Thank you so much uh, for joining us as well as everyone right now watching us live stream on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Today, we're actually on our third week of a series that we've entitled The Family Trust. And we have been looking at the story of Abraham and how his family had to trust the Lord in different circumstances in his life. Today, we're going to be looking at how Abraham's family honored the Lord with all of God's provision. And so I'm really looking forward to to diving into God's Word. I hope you are as well. And so wherever you find yourself, let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 14, and uh, if you don't have them with you, don't worry. You can follow along with us on the screen, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. It says, So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their what? All their what? Yeah, all their provisions and went their way. But they also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his what? And his possessions, and they went their way. In other words, ahead. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, you all know that Ashley and I are in the early stages of parenthood. And uh, listen, we have a four-year-old and a one-year-old at home. And uh, oftentimes, it's a little hectic. Oftentimes, it's it's a little crazy. But we are learning a lot along the way. And folks, one of the things that we have learned and noticed early on is how much our children absolutely depended on their pacifier. Yeah, how many of your children or grandchildren love their pacifiers, right? So many of us, yeah. They, it, it's almost like they can get enough of them. It's, it's almost like where they depend on for, for, for their livelihood, especially in the middle of the night. Now, yeah, and folks, follow me here. Because what I started noticing is that every single night when I would put my children to sleep, somewhere along the way, I would put them with their pacifier But in the middle of the night, here's what would take place. Somewhere along the way, they would lose their pacifier, and it would fall to the floor. 
And folks, the moment that they would lose that pacifier and they would wake up in the middle of the night, in the darkest moment of the night, they would begin to search for those pacifiers and they could not find it. And family, the moment that they realized that when they cared about the most, that they had lost that one thing, folks, it sent them into a moment in the middle of the night where they began to panic, they began to cry, and they began to be in distress. And so, folks, here is what I began to do. Every single night, once they would go to sleep, in the middle of the night, unaware to them, I would enter quietly into the room, and here's what I would do. I would begin to throw pacifiers, yeah, all around the, the yeah, three or four of them. Sometimes I would get the, um, uh, the glow-in-the-night ones just to be sure. And, folks, here, don't miss this because here's what I was doing. As their good father, I knew that there was going to be a moment in the night that they would begin to distress, that they would begin to become anxious. And so me as their good earthly father, I had already a plan. I was even providing for them even before they knew I was providing for them in the middle of the night. So when that moment in the middle of the night came, listen, their good father had already planned and provided for them. And folks, let me just bring that to our teaching for today. Yeah, because I thought to myself, you know, what a picture of our Heavenly Father, right? And and by that I mean that just me, as a good earthly father, was already planning and providing for them even before they already knew, just like that. And here's the big idea as we open up God's Word today. Listen, we as the children of God, There are going to be moments in our life that we're going to go into a dark season in our life. And oftentimes those dark seasons in our lives has to do with our finances, has to to do with what we have. And here's what I love. Listen, our Heavenly Father has already knows what's coming up. He already has a plan and He's already started to provide even without us knowing that he's already making a way and providing for us and specifically for the darkest moments of the night. So that as we go through the high moments of life or the low, dark moments in our lives, we can rest assured that we have a heavenly father who will always provide for us, always take care of us, and will never leave us or forsake us. Can we praise God for that today? And who knows, maybe you're here right now, you're thinking, Omar, listen, I, I, I hear you. And I got to admit, there's moments in my life that when it comes to my finances, when it comes to my future, when I start seeing a little bit of uncertainty, I get a little anxious. I get to, I, I, I develop a little, I get a little distressed. And so, Omar, how can I live my life knowing that God will always provide for me? And when he does provide for me, How can I honor my Lord accordingly? We're going to find out today from the story, an obscure story from God's Word in the book of Genesis chapter 14, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 14. You can pull out your handouts or follow us in our our app. And today I have three important reminders about how to trust God with our provision. Are you all ready, Christ Fellowship? Yeah? Yeah? Write this down as point number one at all of our campuses. Here's the first thing we need to remember. The families who trust God 
will experience seasons of financial uncertainty and financial distress. Now, listen to what God's word says in Genesis chapter 14. Listen to what it says. It says, In the days of Amphorel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Eleazar, Chedorlomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goem, these kings made what? Church family at all campuses, what? Yeah, war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemaber, king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. And all these joined forces uh, in the valley of Sidim, that is the Salt Sea. Now stop right there and let's slip into the scene for a moment. Because we have been learning throughout the last several weeks that Abraham's family at one point in time trusted the Lord completely and went into the land that God was leading them into. And they began to get settled and began to live their life. But folks, even though they were a godly family who were trusting in God, listen, unbeknownst to them, there was trouble. There was trouble brewing amongst them. You see, that region that they settled in the land of Canaan was composed of many different kingdoms, specifically nine different kings. And so at some point, at some point, four of the kings joined forces against five of the other kings, and they went and went into war, into the Allah war. And folks, to make a long story short, the four, four of the kings actually defeated the five other kings and took over that specific region of the land where Abraham and Lot were living in. And folks, as they conquered, listen to what happens after those four kings conquered that land. It says this. It says, so the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions, and they went their way. And they also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and they went their way. And so folks, what we see here is that it sent this family who was trusting God into a dark moment. Why? Because not only did those kings take over, they began to take all the possessions with them back to their different kingdoms. And so really, not only was Lot taken, but folks, all of the provision, all of the possessions were also captured and taken away. And you can imagine the different thoughts and the feelings that Abraham was experiencing during those moments. And folks, listen, you and I may not be in the same circumstance as Abraham, right? But I think we can relate because for some of us, whenever there's uncertainty as to our provisions, what we have for the future, we begin to feel a little of anxiety. Maybe right now you're in the middle of a career change and you don't know how that new career is going to go. Maybe you own a business and you don't know how the upcoming year is going to be. Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you just got laid off. Maybe you are about to retire or you are in retirement and what you've saved so, so much in the stock market keeps going down and down and down and you really do not know what the future holds. It's very uncertain. Folks, when we experience those things in our life, let's be honest, in our finances with what God has given to us, we become a little angsty, right? But what's going to really happen in the future? But folks, here is what we need to remember always. Write this down, letter A. And that is that God always delivers and provides for his people. 
Amen. Three people agree with that. Yeah, come on, let's praise God for that. Now, listen to what happens next. So when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he let forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And so, folks, you got to love this because Abraham is about 80 years old. He gathers all the men in his home that he could find, and he goes after these kings. Yeah, after these four different kings with all these armies. It's almost like a movie, right, that, that we're seeing here. And so listen to what happens next. And so he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and he defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the what? All the possessions and also brought back, with, back his kinsmen's lot with his possessions and the women and the people. And so Abraham, fully trusting that God would provide, that God would deliver, he took action and he went against these four kings with their armies and the way that God would do it, he delivered them into their hands and he then, God again, provided everything that they had lost. And folks, in the same way, listen, when we go into moments in your life and in my life, when the upcoming season seems a little uncertain and anxiousness starts to fill our hearts about how is God gonna provide? How is this gonna settle? What's gonna happen? Listen, we need to remember that we have a God who will deliver us and who will provide for us in the good moments in life and in the dark moments in life. And so listen, you as a child of God, you need to live your life with a certainty that your provider God will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? And so folks, here is what Abraham's going to teach us when he experienced the deliverance and the provision of God. Write this down as big number two. And that is that a family who experiences God's provision, his deliverance, honors him by giving back to the Lord. Now listen to the next verse. Listen to what happens. So after his return from the defeat of Chedorlomer and the kings who were with him, Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is, by the way is the ancient name for the city of Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So get it. As Abraham is coming back from this war and experienced God's provision, God's deliverance, there was a moment that a priest comes out, his name was Melchizedek, and he meets him on the way as he's entering back. And he begins to bless Abraham and remind him of what God had done in his midst. And folks, listen to how Abraham responds. It says this. It says, and Abram gave him a what? A what? A tenth of everything. So folks, do not miss this, right? Because after Abraham sees what the Lord had done, how God had provided, how God had delivered, the way that Abraham honored God was by giving back to him a tenth of everything he received. Now, folks, circle the word tenth right there in your handout or in your Bible. Because tenth is what's most commonly known in, throughout Scripture is what we call the tithe. That word tithe means tenth. Now, 
This is the first moment in Scripture where we really see the tithe, the tenth, the concept of the tithe being introduced. And so what we see from here on out, from this chapter on, is that there is a pattern that develops that when God's people receive the provision of God, God's people then respond by giving back to him. And so we see that this pattern starts to form throughout Scripture. Eventually, there is God formalizes this pattern in the Old Testament law. And here's one example where it says in the book of Leviticus, it says, every what? Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It is set aside for the Lord. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. And so, folks, for, for all of history, God's people have been receiving from God and giving back to God. You know, this whole thing of giving back to God is not something that church leaders in the last century said, hey, let's do this for the church. No, 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 no. This is for thousands of years, the way that God's people have operated. We receive and we give back. That's just the way that it's been. In fact, when Jesus was here on earth, he even affirmed the concept of the tithe. Listen to what happens when he saw some Pharisees and some religious rulers tithing to the, to the smallest degree, yet neglecting other more important things. Listen to what happens in Matthew chapter 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe the mint and the dill and the cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And so what Jesus was calling out, there was a moment where he saw these religious rulers tithing, giving a tenth to God from like the dill and the mint and taking out little things and giving to God like, you know, all these spices. And Jesus says, listen, you ought to be doing that. Yes, that's good, but no neglect. Be also merciful. Be just, you know, uphold the other things of God's law as well. And so Jesus, in a way, says, you ought to be doing that. And then later on in the New Testament, we see that the book of Hebrews mentions again the moment where Melchizedek and Abraham meet, and Abraham gives a tenth of everything. So throughout Scripture, there are at least 35 times that God mentions or commands the concept of the tithe. Now, some of us will say, but Omar, what about those passages, uh, that passage in Scripture that says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What about that passage? Well, folks, when you read Scripture, it's important to always read it in context. So here's what's happening in that specific letter that Paul was writing. So at that juncture, Paul is saying, listen, he's writing to all these different churches throughout the Mediterranean, and he's saying, listen, the church in Jerusalem is really hurting. And so if you don't mind, above and beyond what you already give towards your, your church, the Corinthian church, collect a special offering, which is above the tithe, to send to the church in Jerusalem to provide some aid. And so that's what Paul is saying. Listen, whatever you give towards a special contribution in the church of, of Jerusalem, give whatever. Listen, I'm not going to demand anything. You just give whatever God puts in your heart. 
It's interesting, last year, if you recall, when our sister church in Ukraine went through those hard moments, we did a special offering here as well. That what we said, hey, whatever you can give, if you can give, let's give towards this so we can help the church in Ukraine. And you guys stepped up very generously, and we were able to help uh, the church in Ukraine just like the church in Corinth helped the church in Jerusalem at that time. So it's very, it's very similar. Now, there are some who say, well, Omar, I don't believe in the tithe because once Christ came and he fully obeyed the law, then, you know, we're not bound to, we're under grace. And here's what I would say. If that's your position, what I would just always, I always tell people with, about, uh, that, that hold this position is that, listen, first of all, if you're giving, if your whole, you know, if, you're, if your perspective is that we give according to the grace of God, listen, you should be giving way more than 10%, all right? I mean, if that's your position, you should be giving a lot more. But, but here's what I would just suggest to you, if you really think about it, the tithe was already in place, a pattern, even before the Old Testament law was given. It continues to be mentioned, and there was never a time that God said, stop giving the tithe, right? It just continued as a result. But here's, but here's what I would just say. If you hold on to the argument of we're now under grace, what I would just say, I've seen so many times that people who say, yeah, I'm under grace, Unfortunately, they use that excuse not to honor the Lord and give as generously as they, as they should to the gospel, to the, gospel to, to the things of God. And they use it as a way, they're the ones who give the less because they use it as an excuse, not that I don't need to give because I'm under grace. But folks, regardless of where you land, here's what I want us to really understand. In fact, write this down as letter A. Giving back to God is a very beautiful and special part of a family's relationship with the Lord. You know, unfortunately, there's some Christians that almost get embarrassed about this aspect of our walk with the Lord. If my family knew that I gave to the Lord like this, if my friends, if my coworkers, my God, I'll be so embarrassed. But folks, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Because this aspect of giving back to the Lord, this worshipful moment, is a very special moment right, for God's people, a very beautiful moment where we recognize, Lord, out of everything that you've given to us, out of everything you've provided for me, I'm going to honor you by giving back to the Lord. Ultimately, here's what I want you to understand. Giving back to God is never about money. It's always about trust. Listen, if you're sitting here right now and you think to yourself, giving back to God is about money, you've lost sight of it. Listen, God does not need your money. He owns everything. He created everything. He created everything. He does, what does some little green piece of paper do for him? He doesn't care about that green piece of paper. What he cares is about your heart. What he cares is about your trust. Because when you, out of everything that God has given to you, when you respond and you give back to the Lord, what you're really saying is that, Lord, I'm acknowledging that everything I have comes from you, and I'm honoring you back, and I'm giving back because I trust that you will always provide for me. You see? So giving is never about money. Put that in your mind. It's always about trust. Now, why would God choose 10%, listen, I don't know. 
And then God has sovereignty, and I think it's, there's a balance there where 10% costs you something, right? There's a sense of sacrifice, but it doesn't also debilitate you, right? So why God did that, listen, I don't know, but that's what God's word says. But folks, here is why giving back to the Lord, we're in a family series, right? Here's why giving back to the Lord is so important for families. In fact, write this down as big number three at all campuses. And that is because when a family honors God with their giving, they experience the blessings of God. Now, hear me out for just a moment, right? Because there is this thing out there called the prosperity gospel. Many of you have heard it. And that what prosperity gospel teaches is that if you give to God, that he will make you rich. That if you give to God, you're going to have the luxury car you've always wanted. You're going to have that purse you've always wanted. You're going to get that home. You're going to get a Learjet at some point in your life. And listen carefully, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God never says in his word, if you give to the Lord, he will make you rich. He never says that. Unfortunately, false teachers teach this. Unfortunately, to those who are most in need, especially in, in, in third world countries where there's a lot of need and a lot of desperation, and they teach this, and these poor people thinking, I need to give because I need God to, to make me rich. And unfortunately, it causes so much destruction among people because they start seeing their, their perception of God begins to be something that is not who, really who he is. But folks, here's what I've noticed as a pastor as of late, that because there is, for, by many good, honorable pastors, because there's a fear of never drifting into that type of mentality, what happens sometimes is that they swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. And so what happens is that they never talk about God's blessing when we honor him with what he's given to us. They don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be labeled as a prosperity gospel. And I get it. But folks, as a result, I think it also harms its people. Because when you look at scripture, God always, or for the most part, always ties his blessing to our obedience and honor him and honor him with what we give. I'm going to give you two examples. First of all, in the book of Deuteronomy, and there's many examples of this, it says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from your field year by year. And listen carefully what it says. That the Lord your God may what? May what? May bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. In other words, God's saying, if you honor me in this way, if you trust me in this way, listen, I will bless the work of your hands. And you know what happens at times? Listen, you know how it is. Sometimes, listen, you can work so hard. You can do things. You can invest. You can do all these things. But sometimes you don't see the favor of God involved in it. Why? Because maybe perhaps you're not. So, so sometimes, so, listen, we can work so hard and never get anywhere. You've experienced it in my life, and I experienced it, right? We, we all experienced it. But God's saying, listen, if you honor me in this way, I will bless the, hand, the work of your hands. Here's another, here's another passage. It's a little heavy, but it's worth hearing. Listen to what it says. It says, well, will a man rob God? Yeah, you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? We're not stealing Bibles from the church. We're not stealing pens. We're not stealing coffee from the church. What do you mean we're robbing you in your tithes and your contributions? 
you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a what? A blessing until there is no more need. So what is the Lord saying? Listen, God has a way of blessing in his own sovereign, unique way, those who honor him in this, in this specific area. Folks, here's what I love. Notice that in this passage, it doesn't say, I'm going to bless you until you're rich. It doesn't say that. He would say, I will pour down a blessing until there is no more what? You remember? Need. What the Lord says, if you honor me in this way, if you obey me, if you do what I'm asking you to do, listen, I will bless you and I will, you will never be in need. I am your all-sufficient provider. You can trust me. I will never leave you forsake you. And folks, it only, this only makes sense because it applies to every other area in our walk with Christ, right? Think about it. If you obey and you honor the Lord in your marriage, he will bless your marriage. If you honor and obey God in your family life with your parenting, he will bless your family life. If you honor and obey the Lord in a situation at work, he will bless a situation at work. So it only makes sense that if we honor him, right, in this area in our life with what our finances and what we do, that he will bless us bless that as well. And so, folks, here's a question that I want to pose for us across all campuses. It's a heavy question, but I think it's worth asking, I think it's worth you asking yourself this. And that is this, is, is, there an, is there an area in your life regarding your finances that you are not seeing the favor of God? That you're not seeing the blessing of God? Are you not seeing the blessing of God in your business? Are you not seeing the, bless, the favor of God in? Could it be that it's because you're not honoring him with what he's given to you? See, the reality, folks, we can never come to a point that, that we become hypocritical in our walk with the Lord. When we want God to bless us and bless us and bless us in our finances and raises and, and all and business and new accounts and all these different things, but yet we don't want to honor him with what he's given to us, right? So if he's, if he's providing for us, then we should honor him accordingly. And so you may be sitting here thinking, Omar, listen, I'm, I'm tracking with you. Listen, I've been a believer for a long time. Listen, I know I should be giving to the Lord. It's, I, I, I know, I know I should. But Omar, if I could be honest, it's hard. You know, if you knew the circumstance in my life, if you knew what was going on in my life, listen, it's not as easy. It's, it's, it's hard. I'm having trouble taking that step. So what are some practical steps that you can give me, Omar, so I can move towards a direction? Well, I have three thoughts for you for you to consider, okay? First of all, write this down as letter A. As a family, make a commitment to honor the Lord. As a family, make that commitment. You see, folks, there has to be a moment in your life that you settle it in your heart. Everyone say settle. At all campuses, everyone say settle. Yeah, that you settle it in your heart that whenever you receive from God, you're going to honor him with it. And here's why. The reason I, I stress the concept of, of settling it is because 
if every time you receive something, if that's the moment you're going to figure out, well, let me, let me decide now if I'm going to honor God with this. Most likely you won't honor God with this situation in that moment, right? That way you have to almost like settle it in your heart. Listen, that whatever God gives me, I'm going to honor him back with it. And let me tell you, the, your level of commitment in this area is always tied to your perspective of who provides for you. You see, if in your mind you're thinking, the one who provides for me is me. I am working all those hours. I'm the one who has all this talent. I'm the one who has all this insight. I'm the one that's doing all this. If that is your position, it's going to be hard for you to commit and settle in your heart. But this is why God's word warns us with this passage. Listen to what God's word says. He says, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And God says, you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who what? Who gives, who gives you the power to get wealth. Listen, all that intellect and all those abilities and everything that you are so prideful about, who's the one who gives you that? The Lord is the one who gives you that. Listen, you and I cannot even move our legs to stand up to go to work on a Monday morning unless God gives you the ability to do that. You cannot open your eyes in the morning unless a God says that. And all that insight, all that intelligence, everything you have is because the Lord has graciously blessed you with that. Amen? Child of heart, remind yourself of that every day. It's a good posture to be in. Second thing I want to suggest to you, write this outside or be. Let honoring God be what shapes your family's lifestyle, not the other way around. See, the big mistake that many people make is that they decide how they want to live their life, how they want to live, what car to drive, what they want to wear, everything about their life. And if there's anything left, then we will just give the scraps to the Lord, right? But folks, this is why God's word says, listen, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the what, church? You can see it a little louder. What is it? the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What is, what is God saying? Listen, when you honor me, you do with the first fruits from what you first received. And folks, the reason for that is because if you don't start out that way, it's gonna be very difficult. In fact, let me just show you my personal budget, how I structured it. So you see, it's what I have. You open my Excel spreadsheet, that's exactly what I have. I wanna, I wanna show you. So at the very top, in my own budget, we all have budgets in one way, shape, or form, right? In the top of my budget where I talk about income, notice I don't put Omar's salary or Ashley's salary. Folks, I've put there specifically God's provision, Omar, and God's provision, Ashley. Why? Because, listen, I never want to get into a moment where I think to myself, I'm the one providing for myself. It's a constant reminder that God's the one providing and notice what's the first thing that I put on my budget. I always put honor God, right? Because I want to be sure that before I do anything else, honoring God is the top. That's going to determine where I live, what car I drive, what I wear, all that stuff. Listen, it's first after I've honored God. And, and, and folks, listen, I've told you last year in the, in the series, um, 
chasing wind, if you were here, listen, it's okay for you to buy nice things. Listen, if you work hard, man, get the car you want. Buy that shirt. You know, go on that vacation. Do whatever. Listen, God's given to you. If you don't do it, you're going to die with that in your bank account. Buy things. You know, use it. You know, God has given to you. But my encouragement to you is that before you do that, honor the Lord. Because what good is that? What good is it, for example, that you're driving this luxury car down US 1, but every time you get in that car, you know you're not honoring God because you've tied up yourself so much with this car that you cannot honor God. You know what happens? As a child of God, you cannot fully enjoy it. Why? Because deep down inside, you know that you're not honoring God. But when you've honored God, listen, your conscience is clear. Man, enjoy what the Lord has provided for you. That's what he's given to you sovereignly. Man, enjoy what he has given to you. But my desires are pastor, that you would enjoy with a clear conscience of what he has given to you. Amen? And then right, and here's the third thing I want to suggest to you. Remember that your obedience today will impact future generations. It's interesting that when you look at this passage in Scripture, the next time that you see the concept of the tithe appear is actually with Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And folks, listen to what Jacob says, because by the way, it's one of the, my favorite passages about in this regard. Listen to the heart of Jacob in, in, in Genesis chapter 28. He says this, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, of all that you will give me, I will give you a full what? Full tenth. Listen, Jacob said, if you provide from everything you've given me, all the bread, the clothing, everything, I'm going to honor you, Lord, by giving you back a tenth of everything. And I love that because most likely Jacob, growing up, he saw the example of his grandfather Abraham. He saw the example of his father Isaac. And then later on, when he became of age, what did he do? he started honoring the Lord the same way that his grandfather and his father. You see, when you start setting an example for your children, listen, it starts having a lasting impact in their lives. In fact, let me end with this. You know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a small little Baptist church in North Miami called uh, Bible Baptist Church with Pastor Russell, great man of God. And I remember the way it was, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago, it was a little different. And I remember going up, there was not all these technological things that we can give online and everything. The way they used to give was a little different. They had a moment in the, in the message, in the, in, the, in the service, where it was a time to worship God with our giving, with their giving. So here's what they would do. They would, they would start a song, and in the front of the stage, throughout the front of the stage, they had boxes, really high boxes, where people would come and give. And so during that worship time, that worship song, that specific worship song, everyone would come out of their seats, would go before the Lord, and they would give to the Lord, and they would worship God that way. And folks, I remember that every single weekend, my poor little mom would take me to church, and a little boy, I would sit down right next to her. And I remember her, when that moment came, she would take out her checkbook. I know she didn't have much, but she would write out a little check, she would put it inside a little envelope, and every single Sunday, I would see my little mom get out of her chair, 
and go to the front of the stage and give to the Lord and honor the Lord. And folks, I saw my mom do that every single Sunday. And here's what happened. When I became of age, when I turned 15 years old, and I got my first job at Milam's Market as a bag boy making $5.15 an hour, my mom opened up a little check, a little bank account for me. I had my little check as well. And I remember the first week I got my first paycheck, I was sitting right next to my mom. And as she took out her check to write it out, I took out my check and I wrote my stuff out too. And I put it on the envelope. And when the time came where the music started, my mom stood up. And for the first time, I stood with my mom. And we both went and we honored the Lord together. And let me tell you something. I tell you that because from that moment on, since I was 15 years old, with all integrity in my heart, there's never been a week, a moment in my life that I've not honored the Lord with my tithe or even more with an offering. For almost 25 years, I'm almost 40 now, I've honored the Lord every single moment of my life in this area. Folks, I share that with you. Not because I want to be prideful or boastful. Listen, if you know my heart, you've been here for a while, you know that's not my heart. I share that with you as a testament of God's faithfulness. That ever since I was 15 years old, I've seen the Lord provide for me every single step of the way. I may not be rich. I may not be rich. I drove a five-year-old Honda Accord. But listen carefully. Every single day of my life, I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen the provision of God. He's never leave me or forsaken me. And folks, I've experienced all my life that aspect of my walk with Christ. I want the same thing with you. I want you and your children to grow and to experience that aspect, that provision of God. And let me remind you, before I forget, if you are a parent, there's so many parents that do not share with their children that they honor the Lord with their giving. I want to encourage you, tell your children Tell your children, let your children know, I, I'm honoring. May you didn't know that because they need to know that you are setting an example for them already. Don't keep that quiet. Share with your children. It's so healthy for them to understand so that when they grow up, just like Jacob and just like I did, and my hope is that Mateo and Camila, when they get older, they follow the example set first by their grandmother. And so here's how I want to end. I think we, when we hear this message and we reflect the provision, I think that we all have a next step, right? And so today I want to end for all of us across all campuses with a challenge. And I'm calling this challenge for the 10-10-10 challenge, right? Hear me out. For the next 90 days here, you know, we're all in different circumstances. Which, by the way, let me, let me just say this. If you have been giving faithfully to the Lord, listen, for all these years, you're tithing. Listen, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because, man, it blesses my heart to see you be so generous and it's because of what your sacrifice that we're able to do. God uses the obedience of his children for his purposes. Amen. So if that's you, man, thank you so much. And by the way, if you're a first-time guest, this is not for you. Enjoy. We're not going to make you do anything today or anybody here. There's no, you know, so just enjoy it. But just this for the people of God that have trusted Christ as Savior for them to, you know, for something for us to consider. So here's why I call that 10-10-10. There's some of us here who have been giving to the Lord for a long time, but you know deep down in your heart, you're not honoring fully the Lord with your tithe. Man, and listen, if you have the margin, man, take that step and give to the Lord. Honor Him. Listen, He will bless you accordingly. 
He will never leave you. Take that step. I'm telling you for 90 days, you will see God work in ways you've never seen Him, but you have to take that step. So if you're there, man, take, just take a few more steps and honor the Lord with the tithe. Some of us, let's just be honest, the way we set ourselves in our budget, there's no more room. Like, there's, like you've organized yourself in such a way that at, that, at the current moment, you, don't, you cannot give the full tithe. And listen, the Lord understands. He understands. It's fine. But what I want to encourage you is, man, take a step forward towards that. And so what I would just say, maybe for you, if you're not able just logistically at this current moment, just, just start giving 10% more than you're already giving. So if you give $10, give 11. If you give 50, 55. If you give 100, 110. If you give 500, 50, uh, five, you know, 550. Whatever the case may be. But I want to challenge you, just give 10% more. Take a step towards that. And, and then as time goes on, you know, God will make ways and you will be able to, you know, to organize yourself and struggle. But take that step. And if you're, if you're a child of God and you're a believer and you have, you're not, you've never given before. So you know what, but I do know I, I, should be, I should be honoring God this way. My challenge for you, maybe take a small step. Maybe just start giving. Every time you worship, give $10. That's the third 10. Just give 10. And little by little, you, it soon starts creating habits in you that you need to start honoring God. And you're going to start seeing God work, and you're going to start seeing how it's not as hard as you thought it was when it comes to honoring God with our giving. All right? So everyone has a challenge. And it's very simple. You know, we can all take steps. So giving here at CF is very easy. Uh, just simply go to cfmiami.org slash give. You'll see a little thing in the top that says give. You click, click on that, and there all the instructions are there. Uh, but I do want to challenge you, you know, there's a time for you to consider, to give, you know, to what's my next step as a family. Make the decision and start taking steps that way. And, you know, let me, let me end with this, with this verse. You know, the, the person that we see the greatest example of generosity towards us is Christ the Lord. In fact, listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, it says this. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, you might become rich. God has given you so much. Your eternal future secure. Listen, let's follow the example of Christ, and let's give generously to his work. Amen? Amen.